Hello, everybody, and welcome to That Wrestling Show, the podcast where all pro wrestling matters. I am your host, Bill Yankovi, and this week on this special Saturday edition of That Wrestling Show, yes, this show is being recorded and put up on a Saturday, going to review SummerSlam and NXT TakeOver, plus the ramifications, the aftermath of both of those shows, plus going to preview a very big weekend for the NWA as they have two shows taking place at the legendary Chase Hotel in St. Louis, Missouri. But to begin, I want to talk about the CM Punk return and the reaction from one of his peers. So, Last Friday night was the highly anticipated return of CM Punk to professional wrestling. And it was one of those moments that when you watched it, and if you watched it, you're probably going to remember where you were at, who you were watching with, for the rest of your life. And the reaction that Punk gets is enormous. It is unbelievable. And he, you know, after the reaction, he cuts his, pro, you know, does a promo and eventually it leads up to him challenging Darby Allen to a match at All Out, which we will get next week. At no point in that promo did he mention the name WWE. I think that's something very important that should be brought up. That name was never brought up. It was never said. Although it was in a way referenced, but you kind of knew what he was talking about. Well... There was one individual who didn't think he did that good of a job with his return. And that is two-time WWE Hall of Famer Booker T. Booker T is, let's just say it like it is. He is genuinely respected by everybody in the wrestling community. Fans wrestlers, his peers. However, he made comments about Punk's return that, with all due respect to Booker T, mm, might not be the best. So when talking about his return, this is what Booker T said. CM Punk is back, man, and I got a chance to witness the return of CM Punk. I really did. I don't know. You guys out there that are big AEW fans, you guys agree to disagree with me. But me, I'm always telling it like it is. You all know that. And I'm going to tell it like it is on this one right there as well. I want all of the listeners, I need you guys to challenge me on this one. I'm begging you to challenge me on what I'm talking about. Booker would say, 
CM Punk came back and he had 10 full television minutes to go out there and make his point as far as CM Punk being back. He had the perfect crowd to be able to go out there and really, I'm talking about have a party up in that United Center. But CM Punk came back and took his moment and chose to talk about WWE. That right there was just a total miss. As far as I'm concerned, he struck out. I can only imagine if The Rock had that same 21,000 in Miami, Florida. The Rock would have talked about every landmark in Miami and that everybody in Miami frequented. He would have had those fans going crazy with excitement. But CM Punk chose to talk about the WWE and that nine minutes went back so slow when it could have been a party going on in the United Center. I'm saying from a perspective to where I'm making my comeback and I'm thinking about the other side. That's totally a place that I wouldn't even be going. Booker would go on to say also, as well as you talk about how the moment started out on a rise and after the music stopped playing, the rise just started going down. It never came back up. That's a moment for you? I get it. I understand that. But my point is the moment. Once the bell rings and the bell rings after the music stops, as far as I'm concerned. And I just don't think CM Punk delivered the way he could have as far as a promo goes because I didn't feel the promo. I felt like a guy talking about WWE and when you're talking about the other side, only thing you're doing is giving those guys airtime. Of course, I know the AEW crowd will eat that up. But for me as a professional, that's the last thing that I'm going to be thinking about is the other side. I'm going to be thinking about the here and now. Booker concluded his statement by saying, For me, it was the same promo that was given in WWE. It was about WWE. It had nothing meaningful to it as far as what I'm going to create, who I'm going to blow up, how I'm going to take AEW by coming in being a nice guy and throwing out freaking ice cream bars. Who gives a damn about that? And again, I, you know, I understand what Booker T is saying that he didn't, you know, think that the promo was good. And you know what? I, I, I understand and I respect that. But the whole thing about CM Punk saying that the whole thing was about Punk talking about WWE, I, I never heard that. I never heard that. Not one time. And this is with all due respect to Booker T. I never heard it. I never heard the entire time that whole promo being all about WWE. All Booker or all that Punk said was he needed to get out of a place that was not making him healthy physically, mentally, spiritually, or emotionally. That's all that I remember from that promo of him talking about WWE. When he said that in 2005, he left professional wrestling, meaning leaving Ring of Honor, that was it. He never said anything about sports entertainment. He never said anything like that. All he said was, when, you know, when he had to leave in 2014, he had to get out of there. 
it was because he wasn't healthy physically, mentally, spiritually, or emotionally. And honestly, I think that's anybody's situation at their job. And when you're an individual like CM Punk, who was on TV week in and week out consistently, you're on the road 300 plus days a year. You have to make appearances. You have to do this. You have to do that. There's going to be times where the workplace is going to make you sick. And that's what I got from uh, CM Punk. That's what I took away from that pro- or that part of his promo was, look, I needed to get out of there. If I wasn't going to get out of there or if I didn't get out of there, it was going to end up being bad. So... That I understand from Punk 100%, and I think everyone who has a job should understand that and respect that. And then also at the same time, it's everyday life. That's all it is, is everyday life. And here's a guy who is just saying, look, when I left, I had to leave for my health because if I didn't, I probably would be dead. And I think that is where Booker T missed entirely on the promo, or at least that part. CM Punk never bashed, you know, he he never said, like I said, he never said WWE, never said the name. He just said, I needed to get out of this place. I was getting sick. I was feeling ill. And it, it just wasn't for me. So... For Punk to say that, admittingly, I, like I said, I totally get that. There are days where, you know, working in a school, I need to get a day off. I need to have a day off or else I'm going to go crazy. So while, again, I do respect Booker T's opinion, he, to me, missed entirely the entire he missed entirely what punk was saying he i that's how i feel that is how i feel is booker t missed entirely what cm punk was saying plain and simple so before i get into uh my summer slam and takeover reviews let's talk about the new nxt logo that came out yesterday Oh my god. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not seen this logo, I suggest you go to Google, type up NXT logo. The only positive I could say about it is I like the lettering. The lettering is different. I like that. It's the colors that get everybody. (laughs) Excuse me. The letter or the colors, it's like, it's it's a freaking rainbow. It's almost tie-dye. And it's like, well, NXT was kind of the gold brand. Now it's the rainbow connection brand. I mean, and like I said, the the, the text, the letters on it are actually pretty cool. That I like. 
It's the colors. What is up with the colors? I mean, am I watching Alice in Wonderland? Am I watching the scene in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory where Willy Wonka has the people on the boat and there's like all these strange images behind it and that's what made me hate the movie when I was a kid? I mean, it's just, oh, God. <laughs> that's that, That's all I can say. That's all I can really say, excuse me, about that is, my God, you know, it, oh, whew. I like uh, Kayfabe News' uh, article, they put it up earlier today, it's like, here's the creator, seven-year-old, blah, 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 kind of funny, it's, it, it's kind of funny. Okay, uh, real quick. I want to talk about the NWA because they have arguably their biggest weekend in years, many, many, many years. The NWA is having two shows at the Chase Hotel in the Chase Ballroom in St. Louis, Missouri. Now, for those that maybe are wondering why is this show taking place in a hotel, why is this you know, happening here. I have to put a little perspective on this. Back in the 50s and the 60s, uh, the St. Louis Territory was really one of the hotbeds of professional wrestling. I mean, it was incredible. Like, it was one of the places to go to. And Sam Muchnick was the promoter of the territory, the St. Louis Territory. And he would do TV at the St. Louis or at the Chase Hotel in St. Louis, Missouri. And unfortunately, there's like only a little bit of footage that's available because you have to remember with television, if you recorded a show, you know, they would use the film to record over it for something else. So a lot of the shows of Wrestling at the Chase, which was the name of the show, are gone to history. Like, it's gone. You cannot find it. There's only one clip that I have ever seen of Wrestling at the Chase at the Chase Hotel in St. Louis. And that was on a DVD that came out 15 years ago. So that's what makes this unique is that it's going to be at the exact same hotel, the exact same ballroom where people like Luthez, Gene Kaniski, the Funks, um, Jack Briscoe, I mean, Dick the Bruiser, Dick Hutton, Whipper Billy Watson. Uh, Buddy Rogers, so many re- legendary wrestlers competed there. That's why it's such a big deal. So, there's two shows that are taking place. You can watch both of them on Fight TV. Tonight, Saturday night, is the women's show, which is entitled Empower. And they have a pretty stacked card. So, I'm going to go through the card. Sky Blue will face Christy Janes. 
Kenzie Page will face Paola Mayfield. We have a triple threat match between Kylie Ray, Diamante, and Chick Tormenta. Then we have a special gauntlet match where the winner of that match will go on to the anniversary show, which is tomorrow night, Sunday, to compete for the women's title. So the participants in the gauntlet match are Chelsea Green, Kiara Hogan, Debbie Malenko, Lady Frost, Bianca Carelli, Jamie Senegal, Genocide, Thunder Kitty, Masha Slamovich, and Tootie Lynn. So whoever wins that match will get a shot at the NWA Women's World title on the anniversary show. Then we have a mini tournament to crown NWA Women's Tag Team Champions. So the matches are Allison Kay and Marty Bell against Renee Michelle and Sahara Seven, and Red Velvet and Keelan King against the Free Babes of Jazzy Yang, Holly Hood, Haley J, and Miranda Gordy. The two teams that win their matches will meet in the finals to crown the new NWA Women's Tag Team Champions. And then your double main event, Deanna Perrazzo defending the Impact Knockouts title against Molina, and Camille defending the NWA World Women's title against Layla Hirsch. That is your main event for the Empower Show. Sunday is the 73rd anniversary show. It's a big deal. Ric Flair is going to be on the show. Um, But the card here is a stacked card. You have a six-man tag team match. Tyrus, Jordan Clearwater, and The Masked Man will face The Pope and the end of Odinson and Perro. Mickey James goes one-on-one with Kylie Ray. There's going to be a 12-person battle royal, with the winner becoming the number one contender to the national heavyweight title. A three-way match, which is being called the Brawl in the Lou, Tom Latimer, Crimson, and Tim Storm. And then the four championship matches. The winner of the gauntlet of the women's show will face whoever wins the NWA women's world title. Could be Camille, could be Layla Hirsch. You have to wait and see. The NWA world tag team titles are going to be defended. La Rebellion of Bestia 666 and Mecha Wolf 450 will challenge the champions Aaron Stevens and Kratos. James Storm challenges Chris Adonis for the national heavyweight title. And the main event for the NWA World's Heavyweight title, Nick Aldis defends the title against Trevor Murdoch. This is Murdoch's last shot at the title. If he loses the match, he will retire from professional wrestling. That is how big the stakes are in that one. So it is a big weekend for the NWA I do expect title changes to happen. Um, The one that I'm thinking could happen, but it wouldn't surprise me if it doesn't happen, is the World World Heavyweight title. 
I could see Trevor Murdoch finally winning the world heavyweight title, but then again, I could also see Nick Aldis retaining the title. All right, so let's get into SummerSlam and everything that happened. Um, it was a now I'll say this: looking from you know like the view of it, it looked like a, a beautiful setting. It really did. As far as the show goes, eh, could have been better. So, I'm going to talk about each match. I'll give you my grade of the matches and also what Dave Meltzer thought of it. So, start off with the pre-show match, which was Big E against Baron Corbin. And this actually was a better match than I had thought it was going to be. Um, I was very impressed by both men, especially Corbin. I think Corbin is slowly starting to get better and it was an enjoyable match, um, to be honest. Fun little match. Big E got the win, got the briefcase back. I gave the match a C. It was a fun match. You know, nothing harmless, nothing terrible. Meltzer gave it two and a half stars. So we go to the pay-per-view, and we begin with the Raw Tag Team titles. AJ Styles and Omos defending against Randy Orton and Riddle. The majority of this match is AJ and Omos working on Riddle, and I thought that was a very good story there. And then once Riddle was able to make the tag to Randy Orton, the momentum changed a bit, and you know, you got some really good action. And Orton hit the RKO onto AJ to win the match, and we get new Raw Tag Team Champions. A good opener to the pay-per-view. I enjoyed this. I thought it was good. I gave it a C plus. I enjoyed this match thoroughly. Um, Meltzer gave this three and a quarter stars. Then comes the the worst match of the show. Eva Marie against Alexa Bliss. This is how the match was. I was I I had to stop watching because I had to take care of something. I come back middle of the match, and there's really nothing much happening. So I'm like, okay, I'll watch this match tomorrow to see how it is. <sighs> Should have left it alone. That's how I take it. I should have left this match alone because the only high spots of the match, if you can use that in quotes, Eva Marie slapping Lily, the doll, and Alexa Bliss using a couple of wrestling moves. That's it. Alexa Bliss gets the win. I gave this an E+, and I'm being very nice about it because there was actually a couple of wrestling moves used. Meltzer gave this a dud, and rightfully so. This was a dud of a match. Then we go to the United States title match, Damian Priest against Sheamus. This match was fantastic. This was a lot better than 
it had any right to be told a really good story of here's, you know, Seamus who's doing anything he can to keep the title. Priest is doing a lot of cool stuff. It's a good back and forth match, a lot of near falls, but Damian Priest was able to outsmart Sheamus in this match, and he ends up winning the United States title in a really good match. That match, I think, is one that everyone should go see. I gave this a B. Melter gave it three stars. Then we go to the SmackDown tag team title match where the Usos are defending against Rey and Dominic Mysterio. Um, the whole point of this match is Dominic is getting beat up. He is getting destroyed by Jimmy and Jay. There's a few times where they come real close to getting the tag to Ray, but he just can't do it. Ray then eventually does get the tag. Um, and Ray is a house of fire, but it's just too much Usos, and the Usos retain the tag titles. I gave this a C. Meltzer gave this three and a quarter stars. And now we go to the most controversial moment of all of SummerSlam and perhaps the most controversial moment of the year in professional wrestling, if that is possible, but it is. And that is the SmackDown women's title match. So it is Bianca Belair against Sasha Banks. Or at least we're believed it is to be. So, there had been rumors last week going into the show. Hey, this match might not happen. Because Bianca and Sasha missed house shows where they were scheduled to be on. So, Bianca is there. He, She is there for this. So Bianca gets in the ring, and then we are told that Sasha Banks is not in the building and therefore will not be able to compete, which gets a lot of people upset. Then they announce that there is a last-minute substitute for the match, Carmella. So... I want to go back to the previous night on SmackDown. Bianca Belair had a match with Carmella that Belair won in a few minutes. So Bianca gets on the mic, says, you know, she'll get Sasha someday. Just as the bell is about to ring, Becky Lynch's music plays, and the crowd goes wild. So Becky comes out, beats up Charlotte, or not Charlotte, Carmella, pardon me, and then she challenges Bianca to a title match right here, right now. Bianca accepts, here's the entire match, Lynch slaps Belair, gives her a Uranagi, one, two, three, Becky Lynch, the new SmackDown Women's Champion. Oh. <sighs> Oh, man. Just left a sour taste 
in your mouth. It just... And, and, and here's the thing. It's not Becky's fault. It really isn't. It's just... The booking is so bad. And you find out later from Mike Johnson to PW Insider, or at least I did, reading uh, a report. Bianca and Sasha were both cleared to compete at SummerSlam. They were both cleared. Obviously, Bianca was at SmackDown. Sasha was not. They had to rewrite her parts before the show. She was out, but not because of medical reasons. We don't know why she's out. We might never know, folks. But the way they pulled it off, and and apparently this was Vince's idea, was so bad. It left a sour taste in everyone's mouth for so many reasons. One of which, here's Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair, who we have seen rise from the levels of NXT to get to the main roster, wins the Royal Rumble this year in an amazing performance. Goes on to main event night one of WrestleMania with Sasha Banks. Has a tremendous match with her. Bianca wins the title. Then she becomes a very good champion. Has the feud with Bailey, and then Bailey unfortunately gets injured. Then uh, Sasha comes back, and it's like, okay, we're going to get the rematch at SummerSlam. You know, because the previous one was really good. And then you hear all these stories, and it's like, Oh, I, you, you kind of hope it's, you know, it's false that nothing wrong has happened and then this happens. And then Becky comes in. And Becky, according to Mike Johnson, was not supposed to return for another month and a half. She wasn't supposed to come back until October. But because of... Everything that happened with Sasha, her return had to be moved up. So, and then they give us this match, which left a sour taste in everybody's mouth. And for a while, if you watch the show, you can tell it even left a sour taste in the fans that were in the stadium. That's how bad it was. Okay, next match, Jinder Mahal against Drew McIntyre. Um, it it was one of those things where it had to go after a big situation, and the situation was terrible. Drew hit the Claymore kick. Drew won. I gave it a D plus. Melter gave it two stars. Oh, uh, let me go back real quick with the SmackDown women's title match. I did not give this match a rating. I did not. I could not. Meltzer didn't give it a rating. Then we get to where I thought the pay-per-view kind of changed momentum. Triple threat match for the Raw Women's title. 
Nikki A.S.H. defending against Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. This had a slow beginning, but ends up being a really fun match to watch. And all three of these women put in the effort, put in the work. And that's the one thing that, you know, and, and there are a lot of people who are tired of Charlotte Flair. And I understand. But when it comes to these big match situations, Charlotte brings her A-game. You cannot deny that. I will never deny that. When she brings it, the girl brings it. This was a fun match to watch. The end of the match, Nikki tries for a crossbody. Flair ducks out of the way. Puts her in the figure eight. Nikki tries to get out. Can't do it. Has to tap. Charlotte wins back the Raw Women's title. I gave it a B. It was an enjoyable match. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Especially for the slow beginning it had, it got better. Meltzer gave it three and three quarter stars. Then we go to Edge against Seth Rollins. This was another really good match. Seth's whole game plan was to go for Edge's neck. And I thought it told a very good story. I really did. There were times where they'd go outside and Edge would send or Edge would be sent, you know, back first into the post, head would hit the post, the neck area would hit the post. And it's like, oh, you know, he's really going for it. A lot of near falls. And I liked the ending because it's so close. Near fall, near fall. You get submission moves put on, and then Edge puts on this cross face, and then he also, like, into the cross face, puts, like, a bulldog sleeper, kind of like how John Moxley does it, and Seth has to tap, and that's how Edge wins in a really good match. I enjoyed this match a lot. I gave it a B. Meltzer gave it four and a quarter stars. Then we go to the WWE title match. Goldberg challenging Lashley. It was going to be what it was going to be. Uh, Lashley tried the best he could with this match. Goldberg seemed eh. And then you had the quote-unquote knee injury that pretty much takes the match down. Um... And the referee stops the match because Goldberg can't continue. Bobby Lashley retains the WWE title. Then Goldberg's son comes in only to be put in the hurt lock. And that's the end of that. Uh, I gave it a D plus because at least there was an effort in this match. Meltzer gave it a star and three quarters. Then we go to the main event. John Cena challenging Roman Reigns for the WWE title. This was the best match of the show, to me. This was the best match of SummerSlam. Um, a lot of good storytelling here. Good back and forth pace. Cena, you know, getting the early near falls, trying to get the win. Roman Reigns, when he has the advantage, mocking Cena, you know, he's yelling in the camera like, Hey, Hollywood, Hollywood, how about you take him back? You don't want any of me. 
So then we get later into the match when Cena hits the first AA, only gets a two count. Then you go several minutes later. They're on the outside. Cena hits the AA on the floor. Reigns goes through the table. And there's this one point where when he hits it, he looks at the ring, he looks at Reigns. Looks at the ring, looks at Reigns. And he's like, oh, crap. So he gets Reigns back in the ring, goes for the cover, can only get a two count. Then you go a few more minutes later. Reigns goes to the top rope. Cena's climbing up. He punches Reigns. And he's got him on his shoulder. And... If you're someone like me who's learned wrestling throughout the years, is the rule of threes. And it's like, oh my, if he hits this, it's over. So Cena hits the third AA from the second rope. And it's like, oh my God, Cena's going to win the title. So here comes the count. One, two, Roman just gets the shoulder up as the hand was coming down for the third time. And in the end of the match, Cena gets caught with the spear, Superman punch, Roman Reigns retains the universal title. And then after the match, Brock Lesnar returns, which actually, I got to be honest, was nicely done. Uh, And Heyman has this look of like, no, oh my God, what are you doing here? And it's just a stare down, and that's really how SummerSlam ends. Now, if you watched on YouTube, after the cameras go off the air, Lesnar hits a couple of suplexes onto Cena, then hits an F5. I gave this match an A-. Loved this match. Meltzer gave it four and a quarter star. So the Lesnar situation is this. The report that has come out is he has signed a new contract, a year and a half deal, where he has to where or where he works at least eight matches. Okay, I'm actually fine with that. I can live with that. Um, and obviously the first one has to be with Roman Reigns. There's been talks that that match could take place in Saudi Arabia, which I'm just going to say right here for the record, this that show will not be covered. We will not be covering that show. But I've also heard that that match could happen at the Survivor Series this year, which if it does, would be the biggest Survivor Series in years. So I'm fine with it either way. Honestly, I'm actually fine with it either way. Okay, so let's go to our Facebook group and see what our fans thought of SummerSlam. Uh, Very close voting all the way on the grade of the show, but the majority of the people gave it a B, some gave it a C, and a couple gave it a D. I'm going to give this a C. Um, And the reason I'm giving it a C is because the show was... You had some matches that felt kind of average in the middle. You had a couple good ones. You had a real bad one. And then you had one that 
just ticked a lot of people off. So I think a C is the grade that it that it deserves. And three of the final four matches saved this show. The Raw women's title match saved the show. Edge and Rollins saved the show. The Universal title saved the show. Otherwise, I'd be talking about how the best match on SummerSlam was Damian Priest and Sheamus. Now, as far as favorite matches go, uh, one person said it was hard to answer. I liked multiple matches, and you know what? That's fair. That's very fair. I mean, there were a couple of matches that were pretty good on the show. Uh, but the we actually had a tie here between Seth Rollins against Edge and John Cena against Roman Reigns with a vote for the Raw Tag Team title match. I got to give it to Cena and Reigns. I really enjoyed that match. It lived up to the hype, and it might have even surpassed the hype that it had for that match. And it just goes to show again that this is right now the best run of Roman Reigns' career right now, this point in time. So now that we've talked about SummerSlam and the aftermath of that, obviously with the big one being Brock Lesnar coming back, let's talk about NXT TakeOver 36, which, like I said last week on the show, and I'm going to say it again, might very well have been the end of an era for NXT, because I don't know if we're going to get the same NXT like this ever again after this past Sunday night. Um, so the pre-show match was Trey Baxter against Ridge Holland. This was a squash match. Holland got the win. I gave it a D because at least it was something. Uh, Meltzer did not grade this match. Then we go to the million dollar, uh, yeah, the million dollar title on the line. Uh, Cameron Grimes challenging LA Knight. The stipulation to the match, if... Grimes lost the match, Ted DiBiase would then become LA Knight's butler. This, you know, this match had its ups and downs. Um, There were a couple good moments in it, and then there were a couple that was like, oh, man. But I liked how Cameron Grimes just would not give up. This guy would not give up, and DiBiase knew it. And then you get to the end where L.A. Knight gets the million-dollar belt, brings it into the ring, the referee takes the belt, and Cameron Grimes grabs the belt, and this distracts the referee. Well, this allows Ted DiBiase to put the million-dollar dream onto L.A. Knight. He's unconscious, rolls uh, Knight into the ring, and Cameron Grimes hit the cave-in, and we have a new million-dollar champion in Cameron Grimes. I gave this a C plus. It was an enjoyable match to start off this takeover. A good match. Meltzer gave it three and three quarter stars. Then we go to the NXT women's title match, Dakota Kai against Raquel Gonzalez. This of the five was the worst of the five. Um 
this just didn't connect with me. I mean, there were a couple of near falls. You had some good mat, you know, good timing here. And then there were other times where it's like, oh, that didn't come off looking good. And Raquel Gonzalez would end up getting the win with the choke slam from the middle rope to retain the women's title. I gave that a C plus as well because there were points where it was good, but it's botches or, you know, not botches, but more of a missed moments kind of hurt the match for me. Meltzer gave it three and a half stars. Then we go to the match that I said last week would be the match of the weekend. And boy, was I proven correct. Ilya Dragunov challenging Walter for the NXT UK title. So this rematch, 10 months in the making. Walter has been UK champion for over two years. No one has beaten him. Dragunov had a chance. They had the match of the year on NXT UK, had the match of the year in NXT, or NXT, I mean, NXT UK, NXT, and WWE. How could they deliver in the rematch is the question. I'll tell you how. They tell a completely different story from the first match. And it is a tremendous story. Ilya blocks Walter's chops because Walter has these chops, folks, that if you've never seen it or you've never heard of them, would give you goosebumps. Like, it would give you chills down your spine. So that's Dragunov's offense early on. But then once Walter's able to hit the chop... It's on. And it is back and forth and back and forth. This is unbelievable stuff. The chemistry between the two is amazing. It is second to none. Um, Near falls, tremendous storytelling. And the end of the match, Dragunov gets kind of a sleeper on the Walter. Walter's able to get out of it. But then Dragunov manages to get it back, and he even lifts Walter up, and Walter's about 80, 90 pounds heavier than Dragunov is, and Walter taps out. Dragunov wins the NXT UK title, being only the fourth person to ever win the title. Match of the night. Uh... Should be the NXT match of the year and may have a legit argument for being the match of the year in WWE. That's how great of a match this was. I gave this an A+. How could you not give it an A+. This was fantastic to watch. Meltzer gave it five and a quarter stars. That's how amazing this match was. And... If you haven't seen it, go out of your way to see it. You will not be disappointed. You really will not be disappointed. Then we go to the two out of three falls match, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly. So this was the big talk. What's going to happen with Adam Cole? Is he staying with WWE? Is he leaving WWE? 
where's he going? So the first fall is a regular wrestling match, and it's a quick one, actually. Adam Cole tries to go for the Panama Sunrise, but O'Reilly blocks it and reverses it into a pin, and O'Reilly gets the first fall of the match just like that. And then you go to the second fall, which is a street fight, and O'Reilly early on dominates it, and there's a really great spot where he puts a trash can over Cole's head, and he does a drop kick from the apron onto the trash can, and it just knocks Cole backwards, and it's a really good spot. The second fall was the best of the three. I'm just going to say it now. We do go to a third fall. Great storytelling. Great back and forth. They do whatever they can to win. Adam Cole gets the second fall with the last shot. And it goes along. I think it went like 13 minutes or something. Very brutal fall. Adam Cole wins. So now we go to the third fall. It's going in the cage. O'Reilly is having trouble breathing because his ribs have been attacked during the second fall. So the medics are there. They're checking to see if O'Reilly can continue. Cole is like, screw this. I'm going to beat him up. So he beats him up to the point where O'Reilly goes outside. And then Cole even attacks him outside. And the medics are there and they're like, you know, do we want... You know, should we let him continue, you know, go through this third fall, which is in a cage? O'Reilly says, I'm going through with it. So they get into the cage. Cole takes the early advantage, obviously. We've got stuff in the ring in the cage. Then Adam Cole pulls out a pair of handcuffs that were in a bag. And he handcuffs O'Reilly to the rope. So Cole... Then goes, you know, and he's beating up O'Reilly. He's getting a couple quick shots in. And then we go to the finish. Cole goes for another kick. O'Reilly grabs Cole, puts him in like an ankle lock, heel hook. While he's handcuffed to the ropes, Adam Cole taps out immediately. And Kyle O'Reilly wins the match. And the fans are chanting BS The fans were not happy with how this ended. Still a good match. Still a fun match to watch. I gave it an A-. Meltzer, what did he give that? Four and a half stars. So the update with Adam Cole is, well, we just don't know. We don't know what the update is with Adam Cole right now. We don't know if he's staying with WWE. We don't know if he's going to AEW. We, We don't know right now. And we might not know for a little while. Then we get to the main event. Uh, Samoa Joe challenging Karrion Cross for the NXT title. Karrion Cross does not have Scarlet with him, and there are Scarlet chants. That's not a good sign. Uh, it's a brawl. It's a back-and-forth match. It is what it is. Samoa Joe then hits the muscle buster on the cross, Gets the three count. Samoa Joe wins and becomes the first ever three-time NXT champion. And that's how TakeOver ends. Uh, No surprise attacks. No, you know, double crosses. None of that. 
It is Samoa Joe celebrating. And then as Karen Cross, uh, and this was on YouTube as well, is leaving their fans chanting Hardy, Hardy, Hardy because of what happened with Cross. And then Monday night, Karen Cross looking like a combination of the fourth member of Demolition and Lord Humongous. Oof. Uh, look, I'm not the biggest cross guy. I'm really not. But just the way he looks, it's just, oh my God, what are they doing with this kid? What are they, or with this guy? What are they doing with this guy? Uh, I gave the match a B. Meltzer gave it three and a half stars. And on that note, that's going to wrap it up for the show this week. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, send an email, wrestlingman at thatwrestlingshow.com. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at wrestlingshow11. Follow us on Instagram at thatwrestlingshow. Join the Facebook group. It is That Wrestling Show Fan Group. You just type that in the search bar, search bar and boom, you are right there. And if you can't find us, it's okay. I put the link in the description of each and every episode so you guys can copy, paste, boom, you're there. And if you like what you heard here and you'd like a little bit more content, then check out our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash That Wrestling Show, where our highest tier is $3 a month. And you don't have to do this. You you really don't. But if you like to hear extra content, you know, maybe stuff outside of wrestling, then check it out. Patreon.com backslash that wrestling show. I do want to mention real quick, uh, if you are a fan of Bill Learns Kingdom Hearts, tomorrow night you're going to want to check out... Uh, your iTunes or your Spotify, wherever you listen to Bill Learns Kingdom Hearts, because we are going to announce tomorrow night when season two of Bill Learns Kingdom Hearts begins. So you're going to want to check that out. I'm not going to say a specific time, but it will be up tomorrow night to check out for the big announcement of the date for the premiere of season two of Bill Learns Kingdom Hearts. Next week is All Out Weekend, going to preview everything that is All Out, going to give predictions as to who will win the matches at All Out, and so much more. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of That Wrestling Show, the podcast where all pro wrestling matters. Have a wonderful weekend, and until next time, wrestle on.